Okay. Do we have another slide here too, Randy? I think there might be one more. I know. Surprise. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure. <laughs> All right. We're good? Okay. So I'll go ahead and get started. Uh, I do get nervous talking in front of people. I wrote down everything I'm going to say. So I might reference this a lot. Um, I get like that nervous adrenaline where it keeps going and I just start like tumbling and it's just like blurting stuff out of my mouth. But hopefully I'll be able to think consciously about it and have like a conversation as opposed to just reading something from here. So bear with me. If you do have any questions or need clarification, feel free to raise your hand and I can, that helps actually engage my brain differently. So I'm actually thinking about what I'm saying as opposed to just, like I said, regurgitating whatever I, I took in here. All right. So this sermon is about the word bless in its various forms. Um, uh, words in general can change meanings um, or have multiple meanings. And when we're talking about words we find in the Bible, it's even more important for us to remember uh, what the biblical meaning is. And so that's what I'm going to shoot for today. So we know words like marriage, uh, you know, biblical marriage is one thing. Cultural American marriage Legal marriage is completely different, and we understand that. Um, but there's other words like the word faith, right? Um, in our culture, it's often used to mean like a leap of faith or blind faith. Uh, but for us, biblically speaking, it's an act of trust in God. Um, the word hope, uh, when we say hope, a lot of folks in our culture, they say, I hope something happens. You know, they wish for something to happen. They're hoping for an outcome, and they're wishing for a certain outcome. But biblical hope is a confident expectation that which that that what well, sorry is a confident expectation that which was promised will come because the one who promised it is trustworthy. So we have you know hope in the resurrection because God promised it's going to come. We know it's going to come, and we're looking forward to that. So that brings me to the word bless in its various forms. Uh, it's a word for a long time I strictly associated with you know, the Bible and religious context, right? But I started hearing it in other ways uh, where I was unsure of the intent of the speaker. So let me give you a few examples of how, you know, I've heard the, that kind of brought me to this point where I was trying to look into it some more. So um, uh, someone may say, you know, God blessed us with a child. Now, I really wouldn't think twice about that one. You know, God created us. He created life. Children are a good thing. And so um, um, that, that made sense to me. The one that sounds similar is maybe God blessed us with a new car, right? So this made me pause a little bit thinking, okay, it sounds like the previous one, uh, but it's a little different. Though a new car is something good, right? We need cars. We need to be able to get around um, to, to do our jobs, to do our grocery shopping, that kind of stuff. And it's, it's not wrong and to be humble and be thankful uh, for something good. So it's like, okay, well, that makes sense, right? Um, and then... Another one that we've probably heard recently is, uh, I feel blessed today. So that was interesting because it's kind of like, well, what does that mean? Uh, when you process through it, I guess you're saying you feel good about today or maybe the Lord has done something good for you uh, or you're recognizing that you know, God is involved in your life and you just you feel good about it, right? But that started to make me, you know, hearing it in those contexts, I wasn't quite sure what the word meant, you know, depending on the speaker or, or, or the context of it. And then, of course, there's folks who are not religious. So I have, you know, coworkers who say that they are blessed to have the jobs they have. Now, when they're saying it, they're just saying, oh, we're fortunate. We're lucky to have these jobs. But if we said it to each other, we're saying, oh, I'm, 
I'm very blessed to have the job I have. We know that we're thanking God for it in that context. And then uh, finally, uh, the one where I decided, okay, I don't know what this word means anymore, was hashtag blessed, right? Because you'd see that in social media. You're not sure who, you know, who it's coming from, what they're saying, and you, you know, they're not, they may or may not be religious. And so that's when I started looking into it. And I, I give these examples only to say that uh, the word, you know, how I, how I became confused with how the word blessed was used. Um, uh, like we touched on earlier, uh, words constantly change. They take on new meanings. You know, depending on the speaker and the context, just words mean different things. And, and that's okay. But I wanted to understand when I read the Bible what the word blessed meant in the context of the Bible. So that's uh, what led me to this and uh, got me into this word, st- word study. Um, okay, so at this point in my head, the word blessed was sort of a tangled mess, and I kind of had to unravel it. So what I started, was, started with was using Bible dictionaries, lexicons, you know, uh, um, sorry, lost my spot, uh, Yeah, lexicons, concordances, um, uh, to find the way it was used in definitions. So for starters, it can be a verb, an adjective, or a noun when found in the Bible. Um, so no hashtags. <laughs> uh, from there, uh, I, I read the definitions. So here, here's all the definitions that it can mean. It can mean to speak well of, to praise, to consecrate, to make happy, to give thanks, to, be, to bestow benefit and to kneel. And you look at all those and you try to read the Bible and when you see the word blessed and try to insert one of those, it still wasn't clear for me. I kind of had to break it down even further for myself to get a better understanding. So I went through, looked at various uh, times it was used in the Bible. Um, some were easy to fit into certain areas and understand. Some were a little trickier. For tricky ones, I used you know, commentaries and sermon, sermon notes from previous sermons. And uh, the result of what I came up with, at least helped me understand it a little better, were five categories. And actually, on the bulletin, that's the slide we went to, uh, or in the PowerPoint, there's the first five categories there are the categories that I sort of bucketed these into. Uh, so, uh, God blesses anything, when people bless God, people bless people, people bless things, and then the happy category. And then the first four uh, there use the Hebrew word barak and the Greek word eulageo. And so that's what those two uh, uh, points there at the end are, are Hebrew, the Hebrew word barak and the Greek word eulageo. So those, those all account for the first four uh, categories of the word blessed. And of course, I'm not saying those accents correctly either. <laughs> but uh, barak is also the, the root form of baruch, and we often say baruch here at church as well. Uh, the last category uses the Hebrew word ashir and the Greek word makarios. Uh, and these are often translated as blessed as well um, in the Bible, but uh, can also be translated as happy. So what we'll do is we'll go over each of the five categories, and I will, um, I will give some scripture examples to kind of help us break down and understand uh, the word blessed in its various forms. So for the first one, God blesses anything. Um, the simplest definition of this uh, in this category is when God blesses something, um, it's to say that God provided a benefit for or God did something good for and also, to a certain extent, uh, or God consecrated or set it apart. And those are all 
part of the definitions I gave earlier as well. So when God blesses something, he provides a benefit, he does something good for it, or he consecrates it. So if you turn to Genesis 1, 22, um, I don't know why I'm turning there. I actually wrote down all the scriptures here. Dr. Stokes has his good ability to be able to, like, say a scripture reference, turn to it, and talk at the same time. I tried it in practice. It didn't work. <laughs> so, so Genesis 1, 22. Uh, God blessed the animals, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the sea, and let the birds multiply on the earth. Um, oftentimes, or many times what you'll see is you'll see the word blessed, and then you'll see something else. So in this case, blessed and be fruitful and multiply. So in the sense that God provided a benefit to the animals, the ability to reproduce, and then told them to be fruitful and multiply, um, and it gives you that sense of God providing a benefit or doing something good. Um, if you turn to Genesis 2, 3, and I tried to put these in order, just sort of one chapter after the other, uh, to make it easy to turn to. And also I tried to use examples we were used to so that it, you know, you, could, you would understand the context of it without me having to read the whole chapter. But Genesis 2, 3. Uh, uh, in short, let's see. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which he had created and made. So that same sense of consecration that I had talked about earlier, and it shows that context also in the scripture. God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So he's, he blessed it by setting it apart and making it holy. Um, so these are two examples of God just doing something unconditionally. Um, we also know that there are conditional blessings. You know, if, if someone does this, then God will do that. And we're very, fami- fam- sorry, we're very familiar with this. If you turn to Deuteronomy 11, 26 through 28. So Deuteronomy 11, um, uh, talking about um, here in in verse 26 through 28. See, I am placing before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, and the curse, if you do not listen to the commandments of the Lord your God. So here we have the conditional blessing. Um, If you do what God says, you will be blessed. And if you don't do it, uh, uh, you will be cursed. And so, we're familiar with this one. Um, uh, the, uh, the Abrahamic Mosaic Covenant, if they follow God's laws, they'll go into the land, they'll be profitable, their enemies will be defeated. If they, if they don't follow it, their enemies will come in, kick them out, and uh, they'll be in the diaspora. Uh, uh, go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy 16, verse 16 through 17. Uh, another one we're familiar with. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God at the place which he chooses, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, at the Feast of Booths. And they are not to appear before the Lord empty-handed. Everyone shall give as he is able in accordance with the blessing of the Lord your God which he has given you. So the blessing which God has given you. Um, in, this, in this context, he's given, he's, is, there's material things that God has, has given uh, based off of um, of what what God has given them, so I think what's important for us to remember here is that all we have comes from God, not just the material things, but our skills and abilities, our ability to earn money, the country we're born into, the time period we're born into. All these things are are given to us, and so um, we need to stay humble. And if we are humble, we're, we're giving thanks to God for, for the things He's given us. Um, 
So let me go to First uh, Chronicles 4, 9 through 10. Um, this is one more example. This one's a little trickier. Uh, what, one of the ones I ran across. Because what I did when I was preparing the sermon as well is kind of I went through and looked up the word bless in all its forms and tried to see you know, the different contexts it fit into. And some categories are trickier than others. And so again, this is God blessing anything. Uh, but in First Chronicles 4, 9 through 10, um, uh, the context of this is uh, talking about the, uh, the descendants of Judah. So, so Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother named him Jabez, saying, because I gave birth to him in pain. Now Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would greatly bless me and extend my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm so that it would not hurt me. And God brought about what he requested. So this one is interesting, because at first read, it seems like Jabez is asking for wealth. He's asking for material things. And then God gave it to him. Uh, When I was going through some of this stuff with Dr. Stokes, he said there was a a little doctrine, a uh, little book that came out called The Prayer of Jabez. Was It was sort of like a uh, prosperity sort of doctrine where if you prayed in a certain formula, God would give you what, it, what, it, what you want. But um, when you look at verse 9, it says Jabez was honorable, right? Um, Jabez was a descendant of Judah, and, and the commentators agree that Jabez was likely undertaking the taking of the promised land. So an honorable man is doing what God had commanded. God had already promised, if you follow his laws and do what he says, you can go into the land and you'll, you'll take it. And so Jabez, being honorable, is doing what God says. He's really just asking for God to, they're reaffirming God's promise, saying, hey God, you said if we do this, you'll do this, and Jabez is doing that. So that was, uh, that was one of the interesting ones that came across. Um, um, saying it another way uh, the blessings from God uh, that we can expect are found in his word so if you're looking for God's blessings you can find and you're not sure if it's a blessing from God or not you can look to his word and see did God promise this? yes, if he did then you can be confident it's a blessing from God Um, uh, to finish out this category I'll read two verses that you're all familiar with so you don't have to turn there um, and this is more of a catch-all, uh, uh, James 1.17, uh, which says, every good, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. So in the sense that when God does something good, uh, or when God blesses us, he's doing something good for us, right? And every good thing comes from him. So we do this a lot during our testimonies. We acknowledge God and say that, hey, this good thing happened to me. We're giving credit to God uh, and saying that God blessed us with those things because those are good things. So that's sort of your catch-all um, that we do often do in our testimonies. And then I just want to follow up with 1 Corinthians 4.7, um, another one you've heard before. For, for who considers you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? So, um, in the sense that every good thing comes from God, not only our skills and abilities, but every, every other thing we have, uh, he wants us to be good stewards of those things. Um, but ultimately, they come from God, and uh, we must remain humble about it and not boast about it. 
Uh, we often do this by giving credit to God, like we do during, like I said, during our times of praise, testimonies of praise during the service, which I think is very appropriate. Okay, so that was the first category. It was a little bit of a longer one, uh, but that was God blesses anything. So now let's look at the next one, where people bless God. And again, these are still use that same Hebrew and Greek word, Barak and Yulageo. Um, so when people bless God. Now when you think about the previous category, you think, okay, well if God is doing those things, and that's what bless means, what can I do in that same way that would bless God as well? Um, obvious answer is nothing, right? <laughs> um, um, so... This takes on a different form of the word bless. So when a human blesses God, we do this as an act of adoration um, or an act of praise. Go ahead and turn to Genesis twenty-four forty-eight. Uh, we're familiar with the story, and this is the context of the story, of Abraham sending his servant to find a son for his wife. Or sorry. <laughs> That happens when you get nervous, I guess. Uh, sending his servant to find a wife for his son, Isaac. At least I caught it. <laughs> I've done stuff where I, I talk and I say something and I don't catch it and I hear myself later. I was like, what was I even saying? <laughs> I don't even know. All right. So his servant found Rebekah. And in Genesis twenty four forty eight it says, And I bowed low and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who guided me in the right way to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. So a lot of times we see, uh, again, the context of the word bless in the scripture, or sorry, in the verse that it's, 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 it comes up in, um, we see the, the, the two definitions sort of match up. So they bowed low, worship, and bless the Lord. So he is praising, praising God, as we know in this section. Uh, so that is, when people bless God, he's, he praises them. Um, then I had asked Jeff to throw in a couple of verses, or sorry, songs uh, that, that use the word bless in them as well. So we sang this one earlier, Psalm 103.1. Bless the Lord, my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. So again, that's us praising God, and that's how we bless God, by giving him praise, worship, and adoration. Uh, okay, so that one's a little shorter. Uh, category three, uh, people bless people. So we had, you know, God blesses anything. Uh, by doing something good for them, or in a sense, consecrating or bestowing some sort of benefit. Uh, people bless God by worshiping Him and adoring Him. And now when people bless people, so this can be done in two ways. Uh, a person can do something good for another person. So in that sense, where kind of the shadow of what God does, we can also do, right? It also can mean, and we'll see examples of this, a person can express a wish of something good for another person. I purposely use the word wish as opposed to hope, right? To, to as, as we talked about earlier, those, those definitions mean something different depending on the Bible or um, your cultural definition. So a person can express a wish of something good. Uh, turn to Joshua 15. Um, in Joshua 15, it's talking about the territory of Judah. Um, and, and in Joshua 15, verse 19, it says, Then she said... Give me a blessing. Since you have given me the land of Negev, give me the springs of water also. So he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. So she said, give me a blessing. And again, the context is right there in the scripture. Since you have given me the land of Negev, give me also the springs of water. And um, he gave it to her. So in this fashion, we see that something good was given as a blessing. Some lands, some, uh, some spring. 
springs were given as a blessing. Um, uh, it could also mean an express, or ex- express an expression of a wish of something good. Um, we hear this version quite often. Uh, in fact, we say to it, we say it to each other every week at the end of service. The Lord bless thee, the ironic blessing. So we are wishing something. For, we're often asking God or wishing that God would do something good for another person. Um, let's go ahead and go back to Genesis 24. Back to that same story of Abraham's servant. Um, when Abraham's servant found Rebekah, Rebekah agreed to go back with him, and Rebekah's uh, relatives blessed her with these words found in Genesis 24, verse 60. And they blessed Rebekah, so they blessed Rebekah, and said to her, May you, our sister, become thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gate of those who hate them. Um, now, obviously, they have no power to do any of that, right? <laughs> but they're wishing that honor. They're hoping her, hoping for, I did it. I said the word. I was trying not to say that word. They're wishing for her uh, to have uh, something good, right? To have a fruitful life. Um, and there's a few more that fall into this category as well of people blessing people. I'll read them quickly, uh, just so you don't have to turn there. But Luke six twenty-seven through 28. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who are abusive to you. Uh, Romans twelve fourteen, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. So either you know do good for them or or wish them well. If they're persecuting you, don't say, I hope you burn in hell. Right? You say, you say you you wish them well instead. First uh, Corinthians four twelve. Uh, when we are verbally abused, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. Um, now these words of blessing that we say to each other—they're not magic words, but at times it seems like there are. And I wanted to go through a couple of those examples to kind of show you, because you know, when you're first learning the word and you're first reading it, when I was a kid, I would read some of these things and be confused about about what was what was being done here. Uh, so again, we're still in the people bless people category. Um, this is, uh, turn to, let's see, Genesis 27. Um, and again, these are, I tried to use things you're familiar with, so I wouldn't have to go too much into the context of them. Um, but, uh, Genesis 27, verse 28 through 29. Uh, this is the context of, uh, uh Isaac blessing, uh, his sons. And this is where Rebecca and Jacob got together and decided to, to, to deceive Isaac. And they put on Esau's clothes uh, so that Jacob would smell like Esau. They put skins of goat on his, on his uh, arm so he'd be hairy like Esau. And they even prepared a meal because Isaac had asked, has, had asked Esau to prepare him a meal. Then after Isaac was, uh, I guess, fooled at that point, uh, he gave the blessing to Jacob. In Genesis 27, verse 28 through 29, uh, here is what Isaac said. Now may God give you of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and an abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be masters of your brother and may your sons bow down, uh, sorry, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you and... (laughs) And blessed, blessed be those who bless you. Um, so, we know that Jacob goes on to become Israel. 
and we know his descendants are the people of Israel. So you read this and you think, hey, it came true. What, what, uh, so, you know, what power did uh, Isaac have um, that made this come true, right? Um, and then why did it come true if, you know, they deceived him? Like, it, it is, you know, when you're, when you're first reading it, it doesn't make much sense. Um, did Isaac really have the power to make these things come true? Uh, not at all. If we flip back, flip back a couple chapters, when Jacob and Esau were still in their mother's womb in Genesis twenty-five, twenty-three, so when they were still in their mother's womb, uh, God said this to Rebekah. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples will be separated from your body, and one people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. God had already said what was going to happen. Um, well before they were even born, well before this blessing was ever given, and notwithstanding the promise that God gave Abraham in the Abrahamic covenant. So these things, regardless of what uh, Isaac said, were going to come true, because God already said they were going to come true. The older would serve the younger. Um, and further, we know the first story of Jacob and Esau uh, that kind of comes out after they're born, is that Esau sells uh, Jacob his birthright for a cup of stew, uh, some stew. Or, I like the way the NASB puts it, Esau said, let me have a mouthful of that red stuff there. <laughs> so, but he gave him, you know, he sold his birthright. So on two counts, basically, that even though uh, Isaac said this blessing to Jacob, God had already said it was going to happen. Esau sold his birthright. And so these, uh, so there was no, I guess, magic power behind the, those words that were said. Um, let me give you one more example. I'd just like to go over this one, too, because it's also a little confusing when you first read it. Uh, when the children of Israel are coming into the promised land uh, in Numbers 22, you can go ahead and turn there if you'd like, um, Balak uh, hired Balaam to curse the children of Israel. So who is Balaam uh, that he has a, this apparent power to bless or curse people? Um, uh, I don't know, but you know, apparently ba- Balak believed him because he said, Balak said in Numbers 22, 6, now, therefore, please come and curse this people for me. Since they are too mighty for me, perhaps I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you cursed is cursed. So you read that, and you go through and see, and eventually we know that uh, God interacted with Balaam. And ultimately, Balaam says, well, you know, the God of the people of Israel say I have to bless them, so I'm going to bless them. And it seems like that blessing comes true, but when you read the blessing, um, it's actually, and I'm not going to read it now just for the sake of time, but if you want to go and read it later, uh, Balaam is blessing him in line with what God had already promised as well. So, again, no magic power from Balaam, even though Balak thinks he has some sort of power to bless and curse people. Uh, God said, hey, this is going to happen, and you're going to say it, and Balaam says it. And so it's really just affirming what God already said. So, um, though I also wanted to acknowledge because uh, Jeff brought up both these examples earlier in his sermon on the taming of the tongue. Um, while yes, uh, these words do not have any sort of magical or supernatural powers, words do affect people, and words you know uh, affect how people think and feel. Um, Esau obviously was very distraught. <laughs> <laughs> that the blessing went to his brother and not to him. And so, um, 
Uh, while there's no magical power, there's still a power behind them uh, in the words you say to each other. Okay. That was uh, people bless people. So God blesses anything by doing, by doing good or consecrating or, or, or uh, bestowing some sort of benefit. People bless God by adoring him and worshiping him. People bless people by uh, doing good or wishing something good for them. And now we go on to the fourth one, the last one, with these two words, Barak and Eulageo. People bless things. Um, uh, when we bless things, we are, in a sense, uh, also consecrating it or setting it apart, but we're also thanking God for it. Let's look at a few examples. Uh, 1 Samuel 9.13. So in 1 Samuel 9.13, Saul is going out to meet Samuel, and there's some folks giving Saul directions. Um, and it says in 9.13, As soon as you, who is Saul, enter the city, you will find him, who is Samuel, before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes, because he must bless the sacrifice. Again, that sense of consecrating it and thanking God for it and setting it apart and, and praying to God. Um, here's another one you're familiar with, Luke 9.16. Uh, it's Jesus. This is the miracle of the, the loaves and the, and the fish. And he took the five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and broke them, and gave them to the disciples again and again to serve the crowd. Now, I'll admit, you know, reading this one, especially as a kid, uh, it's hard to separate Jesus and the miracle from the blessing here. But here, Jesus is blessing, looking up to heaven and blessing them. So he's thanking God for the, for the food, and then the miracle happens. Um, I think it's safe to separate those two and say that, you know, when we're, when we're blessing something, when we're blessing our food, in fact, uh, um, we are um, thanking God for the food we have in front of us. We're not bestowing some sort of magical benefit to the food. We're not, you know, it's, it's not like it's, you know, how certain things were, certain, certain uh, food items were sacrificed to idols, right? And... And, you know, uh, Paul explains that that doesn't do anything to the food. It's still food. When we pray for the food and bless the food, it's not showing any magical benefit as well, but we're thanking God for it and thanking God, in a sense, setting it apart, saying, thank you, God, for this food that you've given us. So, okay. All right, we got through the first four categories. So this last one, I, I named the happy category because it's different than the other ones and uses different words. It uses that word ashir and makarios. So the happy category, uh, oftentimes um, you can translate this word. It's often translated as blessed. So ashir and makarios are often translated as blessed. But it can also be translated as happy. So um, uh, uh, we see this a lot in the Psalms and Gospels. And it follows a certain format. So this one's actually easy to pick out. Uh, if you turn to Psalm 40, verse 4, um, and I'm... I know I'm reading from here, but I'm turning here, too, to kind of give, <laughs> give you guys time to get there. Uh, Psalm 40, verse 4. How blessed is the man uh, who has made the Lord his trust, and has not turned to the proud, nor turned to those who become involved in falsehood. So, in this, in this, um, in this category, um, blessed can be translated as happy. So, how happy is the man who has made the Lord his trust? Psalm 94, 12. <clears throat> says, uh, Blessed is the man whom you discipline, Lord, 
and whom you teach from from your law. So, again, happy is the man whom you discipline. So we should be happy when the Lord disciplines with us. I think of, you know, when Trevor talks to the kids and says, you know, when someone corrects you, you, you tell them thank you because they're doing something good for you. Um, and so be happy, be happy when, when the Lord corrects you because that means you're his child, right? If he doesn't correct you, then you might be worried. <laughs> um, here's another one I used actually myself out of context quite a bit. Uh, one, Psalm 127.5. So, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them and them being children. Um, and I, there's more to that section there, but I thought it was one we were familiar enough with. I didn't need to go into full context of it. So, blessed is the man. This one is also the word ashir. Uh, so it actually can translate as happy. Happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. So them being children. Uh, so when you have children, um, that's a good thing, and you can be happy about it. And then, of course, Sermon on the Mount. Those are all ones we are familiar with as well. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Um, um, all of these, if, if you... If you you know, it's hard to know which one it means without actually seeing the Hebrew or Greek word, but they all kind of follow this format. Blessed is the man, blessed is the man, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. So in that format, if you just translate, change the word to happy, um, it, it, that's, how you, that's sort of like the, uh, the shortcut, I guess, to, to understand the context of it and what, what, the, what the word blessed means in that, in that verse. Uh, one thing I really like about this category is that God has given us a way to set our expectations uh, for when we should be happy or pleased with something. Our culture often tries to tell us uh, to seek happiness. That's kind of like the goal of, of everyone every single day. They're just trying to be happy, right? Media tells us what we need to be happy. Uh, advertising says, buy this product and you'll be happy. Do this, you'll be happy. But those are all fleeting and temporal things. Uh, God tells us what we should truly be happy with, and his list comes from an eternal perspective and not the temporal perspective we often see. Uh, So, uh, in summary, um, God, um, uh, going through the five different categories, God blesses by doing something good or providing a benefit. um, And, as a side note, we can seek the blessings he has promised by doing what he commands in his word. Uh, we can bless God with our praise and worship. We can bless each other by doing something good for each other. Sorry. We can bless each other by doing something good for each other, or we can express a wish of something good to happen to another person. And then when we bless things, we are setting those things apart and thanking God for them. And then finally, we can look to God's word to set our expectations of happiness and, and see uh, what he's said about uh, being happy, or what we should be happy with. Um, so that's it. Uh, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, which provides us 